Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. I appreciate it today. I'm Luke. I'm the pastor here. And uh, we're thrilled everybody who's watching and everybody who's here with us. I'm thrilled that you're in the house of God. And I have something I'm uh, really thankful and excited to be preaching to you today. I want you to know at the outset that uh, I am not anymore in my juvenile youthful years where I'm gonna make this whole thing about throwing in a few cracks against the Packers and their fans <laughs> while I still have the chance. So, Rick, you know, we're gonna stomp them this afternoon and it's gonna be a great day and I'm just gonna leave it right there for now. Can I get a witness anywhere in the room? All right, all right, see this? We do our best talking before the game starts, uh, Bears fans. So. Turn your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1. We've been studying the book of 2 Peter slowly but surely, and today we're going to make it to the end of chapter 1. And um, we've titled this set of messages, Get Rich Quick. We titled the messages that because uh, any person who's been living for a while knows that if you hear a get rich quick idea, it's a scam and a scheme. But there are truths in God's word that if I know them can improve the uh, reality of my life quickly and dramatically. I want to teach you one of the most important ones today. 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 16. I'm going to read six verses, and then I'm going to kind of set the stage for what we're doing. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. If you're there and you're ready, say ready. ready. It says this. Uh, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The message today is about how do I know what's true? How do I know what's true? How do I know what's true? And the reason why this is a potent and important message for us living in the 2020s in America is because everywhere we look, the institutions that we maybe were raised or have been taught or just decided to believe in have shown us that they're not always so worthy of our trust. Uh, like the educational system is hard to trust. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, they taught us at school how you were supposed to eat. Does anyone remember this thing? Come on, come on, come on, come on, give it to me. Yep. Does anyone remember this? And so they said just six to 11 servings a day of bread, cereal, and pasta, and you're going to live a healthy life. Who was taught that in school? And you're like, my clothes don't fit and I'm tired all the time. What happened? I just followed the plan. Like, what am I doing? Uh, that was brought, 1992, the food pyramid. Um, when that started, 
27% of Americans were uh, considered obese. It's now 42%. Uh, that coincides on many graphs you can find with exponential increase in lack of health. The educational system is hard to trust. The medical system, the medical establishment is hard to trust. Like, I, and I really, I don't, I don't know, it always feels like everyone gets all wacky, but like that, this picture that he's going to post, this did something to so many people's ability to trust what the doctor said. And I'm not even saying that everybody had bad motives or like they were trying to lie to you. I'm not into the like... There's some dark room somewhere where they're conspiring. I'm not into any of that. I'm just saying that like people were like, wait, I thought it's this way. And then, the, and then it was like this way. And then it was like this way. And it never seemed like anybody could just say, we sort of know what's happening. And we're telling you the best we know and it may change. And so when people come at us all the time with confidence and then we find out that they were wrong or not as right as they thought they were. And then they like try to trick you into being like, no, no, we said it that way the whole time. It just, it makes it a little harder to trust. Uh, the justice system, oh, even before that, the media, uh, the media is hard to trust. Uh, this is one of my favorites, um, the media is hard to trust. Who, uh, this is, some people will remember this. Does anyone remember this? This is the cover of Time Magazine. This is, uh, it says, Y2K insanity, apocalypse now, will computers melt down, will society end a guide to millennial madness? Does anyone remember that thing? Where it was like it was going to strike January 1st, 2000, and then like all the computers were going to eat us or something was going to happen. Do you remember that? And, and then it, they told us that was what was going to happen. And then what happened? Nothing happened. And so it makes it hard to trust. Justice system's hard to trust. Uh, I was sort of taught that like, well, no, like if the judge says or if the jury says, then you have this idea that like that means what's happening is just. It's amazing, there's this group, The Innocence Project, they uh, have freed 242 people who were convicted and sentenced to death and then found later completely exonerated. They never did what they were accused of doing in the first place, and what does it do? It makes you be like, well, wait, 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 what can I, what can I trust, what can I trust, what can I trust, what can I trust? And sadly, sometimes the church is hard to trust too. And that started, for those of us that are kind of not of this stream of people, it started with um, those Catholic abuse scandals, finding out that people hurt kids and then they didn't do anything about it. And those of us who are kind of on a different like, church team were kind of like, oh, yeah, I see those guys over there. And then it's in our doors, all kinds of places uh, and all kinds of churches didn't take care of the vulnerable the way that they should have to preserve their own space. And so, I mean, I meet all you guys. I can see the vibes that you give. It makes the church sometimes, too, hard to trust. And so it leaves us in this kind of, well, what now? What now? What now? What now? What now? And so many people have this kind of like cynical, uncertain, I never want to feel like that again, so maybe I just won't trust anybody mentality that they bring to life. I think this is a little bit maybe even what Jesus had um, because he like, knew from the beginning you couldn't trust most people. This is what it's trying to talk about, I think, in the book of John, chapter 2. It says this about the Lord Jesus. Um, it says that he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, and many people believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. Here it is. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. So he's, John, who is Jesus' closest friend, looks back, and he's like, you know the thing about Jesus that I remember? He didn't like, open himself up to everybody completely. Because he knew what people were like. Which, if the guy who could like make himself disappear in a jam or like produce a steak dinner with a snap of, of the fingers was like, I gotta make sure I don't get too close to sketchy people, it's telling us something. 
So how do I know what's true is the question that we're considering from 2 Peter chapter 1 today. And uh, Peter answers it two ways. He starts in verse 16. I think we have this for the screen. He starts in verse 16 by saying, so we didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when he's saying they're myths, he's saying in Greek culture that Peter was writing into, they were fond of the allegory, the story that makes a point, but everybody knows that it isn't true. He's saying, no, just so we're clear, the thing about Jesus, it's not just like a story with a nice point that helps you learn how to live your life. He's saying, it wasn't a myth, but we were, you see, here's the key word for this part, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He's saying, I didn't tell you a story, I saw it. He's saying, I saw it, I saw it. I saw Jesus come to earth, I saw him live life, I saw him die on the cross, I saw him rise from the dead, I saw him get like real peeved at me a few times, that time I cut off the guy's ear and like, you know, Jesus and I didn't always get along because I'm kind of an knucklehead, but bottom line, I saw it. Which I think makes sense, right? Like. We accept, most of us pretty easily, that an eyewitness is best equipped to tell the story. Uh, Kristen and I yesterday were at kids' sporting events, uh, like in different places at the same time, and I was talking to her on the phone while she was telling me about our little daughter scoring a goal in her soccer game, and while we were on the phone, I was like, oh my gosh, Carter just scored another touchdown while we were on the phone. Awesome moment. It just sounded a little humble braggy as I hear it coming out of my mouth. That wasn't the point I was trying to make. Look at me. I'm under no illusions that I am going to produce a professional athlete from this DNA. It was just a great moment. But here was the point. Did she believe me that it happened? Of course. But we all know that an eyewitness has the most clear, potent, powerful ability to tell you what happened, much more than someone who simply heard about it. So into verse 17 now, he says, when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by his majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Okay, if you're not a person who's read the Bible a ton in your life, that might just seem like a bunch of jumble uh, of words, and, and that's okay. I'm thrilled that you're at church today. There's lots of people who come to church that maybe don't always get the Bible open as much as they would like you to believe either. So that's no problem. What he's doing here is he's saying, he's bringing two things that happened in Jesus' life together, and he's saying, I was there for both of them. So he's bringing up Jesus' baptism, and he's bringing up the transfiguration. These are both significant supernatural times where he saw who Jesus really was with vivid clarity. And so see it? He's saying, so we were up on that mountain. That's the first part. That's the transfiguration. That's in Mark 9, 3, and 4, what he's referencing. I'll show it to you on the screen. It says that Jesus' clothes became radiant. They were intensely white. No one could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were all talking with Jesus. So it was like uh, they were with Jesus, and they could tell he was a god by the way that he looked, and the heroes of their faith were there at the same time. That's what he means. Go back to the verse 17 there. Thank you. That voice was born to him. So when we were on that mountain, that was the voice that was born to him by the majestic glory. Now the next part, 
This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. That's in Mark chapter one, and that's when Jesus is baptized, and as he comes up out of the water, the voice was heard from heaven by everyone who was there. You are my beloved son, there it is, with you I am well pleased. Okay, so he's talking about two. Now back to verse 17 and 18 in 2 Peter, show it to us. He says, the voice that we heard when we were on the holy mountain, it was the same voice that we heard when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's saying, this moment and this moment, it was the same voice saying, this is Jesus, this is the son of God, this is the one that you've been waiting for. He's saying, I was there, I saw it. So the first three verses, this is the simple point that Peter's trying to make. I saw it is the best chance of something being true. Doesn't mean that it's always true, but it's the best chance of it being true. Now he gets to the real point that he's trying to make. Verse 19, he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. He's saying, wait for it. I have something even better than I saw it. It's more fully, it's even better, to which you would do well to, play, to pay attention because it's, uh, it's like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. There he's uh, saying, he's raising this question for us, what could be better than I saw it? What could be better evidence than I can see it with my own eyes? He's saying the only thing that can be better than what I can see with my own eyes is something that will last all the way until Jesus returns. See, that's what he means. So it's, the day is coming, but it's not here yet. And the morning star, that's when Jesus comes back. It hasn't happened yet. He's saying, I have something for you even better than I saw it with my own eyes. Uh, the other night, I, was, uh, I heard Kristen laughing. She was FaceTiming with her grandmother, um, talking on the phone. And Kristen's grandmother is a, a wonderful lady. She's from the south side of Chicago. Um, other than the fact that she's a Sox fan, she's amazing. And uh, she is in her 90s but she's blessed with a very clear mind. Um, and so she was alive and a young girl during the Great Depression, and she can talk about it with vivid clarity of what it was like when so many people were out of work and so many people didn't have a job and so many people were struggling. And it marked her, I'm not saying she's cheap, but she's not like super pumped about spending a dollar ever <laughs> because she remembers what it was like. But soon, all the people that were alive for the depression, they'll be gone. And sometime after that, everybody who was alive during World War II will be gone and we'll have books and we'll have articles and we'll have documentaries, we'll have all kinds of stuff to remember it, but we won't have anything quite like I was there. And this is the way that time moves. Soon you and I may live to see when no one who fought in the Vietnam War is still alive. There will be a day on this planet when everyone who is alive during September 11th will be gone. There will be a time when COVID is nothing other than something written in a book that people, who knows if they'll even have books then, you know, press your brain and you just bring it up and Google glasses, I don't know. <laughs> but he's, he's making a really important point. As long as Peter was alive, he could say, I saw the risen Lord. But eventually he was gonna die and then what was gonna happen to the witness of who Jesus is? He says, I have something even better for you and it's something you really need to pay attention to. That's the point that he's making. He's saying until the day dawns there. I wanna just point that out to you as something you can 
This is good for you when you're studying the Bible. Notice, anytime someone says the day, that's a reference to when Jesus Christ comes back to earth and wrong is made right and final judgment takes place. And it is a day of great frightfulness to those who don't know him and the day that is supposed to be the motivation for every follower of Jesus trying to make it through right now. I've said this to you before, but it's important that we get it every time we can when we're together. It doesn't work unless we have hope of what's ahead in Jesus Christ. Life is just too challenging to try to make it through if our reward is the good stuff that happens while we're here. Peter and Paul and all the people who knew Jesus, they were obsessed about the day. Look at all these times. I just drew a few for you. He says, uh, this is in 2 Corinthians 1, this is Paul. Just as you did partially understand us, that on, there it is, do you see it? The day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Philippians, this is a verse a lot of people know. It says that, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So be encouraged, friends. If God's work in you isn't done yet, if you feel like you're still kind of like a bit of a mess walking into church today, he's not back yet. His work's not done. Uh, here it is again in Philippians uh, 1.10. It's there again. Next reference. So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless to the day of Christ, holding fast to the word of life so that in the, there it is again, the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in labor in vain. When he's pointing this out, he's saying, I need to give you something so certain that it'll take you all the way from here to the day that Jesus Christ comes back. Things don't last as long as we think they're gonna last. You know, like every time uh, I drive by a Costco on a Saturday, I just think like, how often do you really need like 24 gallons of pickles or whatever? You know, like how, like I would think like you buy that thing of pretzels once and that's it until Jesus comes back. But then, I mean, you drive by and then, and anyway, I, things don't last as long as we think that they do. So what Peter's saying is, um, what he's saying is that God wrote it is even better than I saw it. You can build your whole life on that right there. That what God wrote is even better than anything people can see. That's what he's saying. He's saying, knowing this, uh, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but Men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The reason why it's so hard to find what to trust in is because most things that we're leaning on are someone's interpretation, not just the facts. This was just like quick. I walked through my office uh, the other day on Friday afternoon, and this is a book that I read that's about if you just change your habits and do things a certain way, your life's going to be completely different. And this is a book about how if you eat in some certain way that I'm sure I did for a day and a half and then quit, your life is going to be totally different. And uh, this is one a lot of the fellows on the right wing like. This is my guy here, and he's got 12 rules for life. And if you just follow these 12 rules, your life is going to be completely different. And I'm not going to make you listen to that thud over and over and over and over, but every single book on your bookshelf and on my bookshelf is, if you act this way, your company is gonna grow. If you act this way, your marriage is gonna be better. If you act this way. But the problem with all of it is it is someone's interpretation, which usually means that it works sometimes in some situations if circumstances are just right. 
Peter is saying, I have something for you that is not based on some person's interpretation because it was not produced by a person at all. Men spoke from God, carried along by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So the Bible that you're holding in your hands, I hope, the Bible that was left here from us that's still imprinted on all those rows from a church that was here long before we were in this building, this Bible was written by the God who made the universe and the sunset and the stars and the seas and came up out of his beautiful wisdom with the idea for what chocolate could taste like. (laughs) That same God wrote a book that he gave to you. And this is the only thing that you can know exactly what is true if you hold on to it. Just a few things about the Bible. The Bible was written, uh, the Old Testament, over a thousand years, the New Testament over about 50 years, dozens of writers. It is the best attested ancient document. There are pieces of parchment all the way back to within 50 years of when it was written down. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of documents found all over the world that are the same words, the same words, the same words. You can study it if you want. The Bible that we hold today is the Bible that was completed 2,000 years ago and confirmed. But the Bible means what God meant, not what we interpret it to mean. This is where things get bogged down sometimes. The Bible isn't like one of those, um, you ever play one of those board games where everything's kind of like loose in interpretation? like apples to apples game, or like if you ever played Guess Who and they're like, is he old? And you're like, well, to a six-year-old he seems old, but to me sitting here he doesn't seem so old. (laughs) The Bible doesn't mean what we feel like it means or what we want it to mean. It means what God meant when he wrote it down, which is why we work to learn it and work to study it. Uh, This is why you can find in the history of the world people holding a Bible and using it to tell slaves they should behave better. Or you can find people holding a Bible saying, you know what we should do is we should all like get on our horses and go kill all the people in the Holy Land. You can find people justifying all kinds of terrible behavior while holding a Bible. I've witnessed that one too, anybody? Anybody? (laughs) The problem though isn't with the source material. The problem is with the interpreter. The the reason why the Ikea furniture in my home is rickety is not because of the quality of the instructions. It was because of the person who was in a hurry and doesn't have the aptitude to put it together properly. Don't knock Ikea over there in the second row. I don't know what your budget looks like over there. Just teasing, just teasing, just teasing. The Bible also uh, means what God wants it to say. The Bible says what God wants it to say. So whenever I encounter a space about what I should do when I feel unhappy in my marriage or the way that we should treat people who are differently than me or sometimes with like my 2020s glasses that I, we all have because of the culture we live in, you can find something in the Bible and it kind of feels like, ooh. Did that ever happen to you where you like have a verse you're like, well, that doesn't really feel like something I want to 
Maybe we like put that one on a different page or something. At that intersection, my trust must not be in my ability to know what God meant. I have to do my best to trust that the Bible says what God wanted it to say. Uh, so three little rules that I found that are helpful and then I'm trying to bring this home for application for you and for me. Uh, don't trust what someone says the Bible says. Trust what the Bible says. So my purpose in preaching to you today is not to get you to take my word for it. It would be like the coolest thing in the world if you were annoyed or unsure or didn't really resonate with one part. I said you went home and got these six verses that we had and studied it for yourself. Our trust is not in the person holding the Bible. Our trust is in the person that wrote and is revealed to us by the Bible, Jesus Christ. Don't uh, trust what someone says God told them. Trust what the Bible says. This happens a lot. Do you have any of these people in your life who, uh, who like have the ace card God told me in their pocket and they use it to try to like create space for the stuff that they want to do? You know that one? I'll just tell you, God isn't telling you to cheat on your taxes or be unfaithful to your spouse or to be lazy at work and take a paycheck anyway or to not forgive that person or whatever it is. God is never going to want you to do something different than what his word already told you to do. And so when a person says, you know that like the softer version, I just kind of feel like God is leading me. God does lead us almost always back to his word, which gives us clarity on which direction that we want to go. Our feelings are super sketchy. Uh, like the football team that I, I'm coaching lost last night in overtime, and I woke up this morning thinking like, ah, maybe I just won't be a pastor anymore. I just, it's just too much. It was too stressful. Our feelings are really bad guides. And so I don't bring my feelings to the Bible and ask the Bible to adjust. I adjust my feelings to what God's word teaches me. And I don't let myself get stuck thinking that I have some other, that's what he's saying there, interpretation. Also, don't trust um, what culture says the Bible should say. Trust what the Bible says. Social media is filled with some of the worst interpreters of the Bible you can find anywhere that will tie you in a knot if you let them, letting you think that the Bible says something different than what it says. This is, I guess, what I came to say today, friends, and I hope it, um, through God's power, it's coming to you. It's this. The Bible is what God wanted to say to you in September of 2023. So we're here right now gathered in the room. Everybody who's gathered here, there's people who are at church every week and people who are at church regularly and people who are like, just counting the seconds till they can go get a cigarette out front in the, you know, in the parking lot. And there's people who are not into it or who are into it. Um, there's people that are glad that the band just materialized because that means it's almost over. And to all of that and all of those people, what God wanted to say to you for this season that you're in in your life, the season where you're frustrated at work or overwhelmed by your kids or feeling like unsure or lonely. I had the most wonderful conversation with someone out front right before I came in who God had led them to a verse of scripture about a situation they're facing. 
And then it was the thing that Stephen are quoted up front at the beginning of the service. And it was God using his word to do what his word promises it will do. To be a lamp to his feet and a light to his path. And I just wonder sometimes if uh, in the world and day and time that you and I are living in, we've lost track of the amazing gift that God gave us. And uh, we feel so frustrated that we can't find answers to the questions that we're asking. And it's because we're, we're looking at all kinds of people's interpretations looking for answers. We're, like Proverbs 3 says, we're leaning on our own understanding and then we can't find a way through the things that we're stuck with and we feel so frustrated about it. And I just wanna try, I've sat through messages like this in my life and agreed with them and then gone to my car and done nothing with it. <laughs> and I just wanna push with every ounce of energy in my body that if you put the Bible in your mind every day, it will change your life. Start small if you have to, find a translation that you feel like you can understand, listen to it in your earbuds while you're walking, whatever, like there's so, our world is unbelievable with the number of options that we have to help us find our way. But if you put God's word in your ears every day, your life is going to change. That's a get rich, scheme. I, get rich scheme I'm like totally into. We want to read it. We can't learn the Bible unless we read it. But more than read it, we want to learn it. To learn it is to start to understand that as I'm preaching, I can see people all over the room who know the Bible. And when I'm saying something that's true, they're like, yeah, that's true. I've learned that before. That's true. I know that before. That's true. But, and we know this more than just learn it. We have to obey it. A lot of us uh, fall down there and I have to believe it because what we do with this gift that God gave us, it's maybe the most clear thing that the God in heaven that we know by faith but don't see by sight, the very best thing that he gave us is this book that has been supernaturally preserved for 2,000 years for you and for me. And what we do with it says a lot about what we think about the person who gave it. That's what it uh, means to be good with our Bible. So I just am inviting you to take a step forward in your faith. I don't need to resource you on this point. There are infinite resources in every direction, but I pray by faith you'll do something with it. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm thankful for uh, the times that the truth in the Bible has... Uh, taken me through some difficult times and some dark days and some uncertain moments. And I'm thankful that it does it just the same. And I'm asking that you would push into our souls again the amazing reality that we love the Bible, be not because the Bible is something to worship, but because the Bible tells us about Jesus who is worthy of all of our worship. Give us enthusiasm to lean into uh, that again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.